Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Weber. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today we're talking about the NBA Finals. We're going to be previewing it, doing it a little bit differently. Usually we do, uh, you know, either one person or it would have been Dave and I doing a, mm-hmm. a sit-down video in front of the green screen, but we're going to do it on the podcast because why not? What's a better t- Give place? them an in-depth sight into it instead of a quick, you know, three-minute video. Exactly. You guys 20, need it. 25 minutes talking about the NBA Finals because we know we can do it. Um, and then we're also going to be talking about CP3 possibly going to the Spurs. The Spurs want to bring him in, so we'll talk about that. And we're also going to be talking about Magic Johnson saying that Brandon Ingram is untouchable. And uh, let's get into this final stock because this is the matchup that, Ricky, you were saying before we even started, that this was the most hyped matchup because, um, like, Dave and I and you were saying that we were pretty much knew this was going to be the finals after last year's finals ended. We knew I mean, that we were going to get I Golden State I believe in our preview Cleveland. video I said that just wake me up in June. Wake me up I in mean, June when the finals start, and then we'll be okay. Well, it's starting on June 1st. <laughs> we, we got we got the Cavs versus the Golden State Warriors for the third time. Uh, Warriors won the first one. We knew the whole story there, Kyrie and Caleb out. And then last year, obviously, uh, I think 3-1. 3 1 lead. Does that like a, sound familiar? Anyone remember 3 1? Anyways, so we're, we got I the, do the Cubs one. We got three the 1 1. We got the, you know, the Cubs did do that too. <laughs> uh, 1 1. We got the Warriors taking on the Cavs here. Um, and the big question is um, lo- looking into this and, and looking at the start of it. Who should be looked at as the favorite? Should it be the defending, uh, you know, defending champs in the Cleveland Cavaliers, or should it be the loaded Golden State Warriors with the new addition of Kevin Durant? I mean, how do you not favor? Golden State after what they've mm-hmm. done to twelve Western and zero in the playoffs conference. twelve and, and, and twelve and one wasn't bad and not can no no but convincing fashion I know I know to be fair every team they went up to I think mm-hmm. had an injury though like Golden State so I mean yeah they might not face people at their best but they still destroyed teams and the the margin was not even close so the the problem is you know all all the talk about a league being balanced and level of competition but adding Kevin Durant to one of the best teams, it just, it breaks, you know, it breaks the West. It breaks the NBA. One of the best teams already in history, and you add yeah. Kevin Durant, who's arguably, you know, second best player, third best player in the league, whoever you really have. I mean, obviously LeBron's number one. You have Kevin mm-hmm. Durant not too far behind there mm-hmm. um, in, in best rankings. Uh, Ricky, looking at this, who should be looked at as his favorite? Should it be LeBron? I mean, he is the best player in the world. I, I think it's the Warriors, and the reason why I say that is... Not only on paper do I look at their team and I go, if I'm looking just on paper, I'm going with the Warriors because of everything they have. They have, Mm. to me, four superstars compared to only three of the Cavaliers, but also because of the fact that I know you said, oh, well, 12-1 and isn't so bad, but they the Cavaliers lost at home, a place where, like, once they were up 2-0, we're like, well, they're not going to lose a game. They lose to the Celtics without IT— who is arguably the Celtics' best player yeah. on their squad, they go ahead and lose 
I know it was on a last second shot, but you go ahead and lose Whoa. to a Celtics team when the Warriors, like Dave said, except for one half when Kawhi was playing, they blew everyone out. It was three quarters. <laughs> three quarters that Kawhi was playing. And if Kawhi finished that game out, they would have won that series. And mm-hmm. there wouldn't be the 12 and 0 uh, Warriors. And then also looking at the Cavs there, um, it was the regular season Cavs. They showed up, you know, they, they reared their ugly head coming back, and, and they showed that one game in game three. I mean, I mean you, arguably, though, the Celtics are a better team without Isaiah Thomas. Uh, they are. They are. I'm, I'm <laughs> just saying. I'm there. just saying. People. Are, that's why I said arguably their best player. But anyways, <laughs> looking at at this, I, I don't disagree with you. You look at the Warriors. They wrote. They mowed through I was everybody. Say, I don't disagree with you. The Celtics are better without it. <laughs> the Warriors mowed through everybody. I don't disagree with you there. Um, and and you look at the Warriors. I mean, you again the addition of Kevin Durant. I, I think they should be favorited. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were favorited last year. They were favored the year before. I mean, it's nothing really has changed on the Cavs side. They added you know Kyle Korver. They added Darren Williams. They added. Derek Williams, all these players, but they didn't really add a, a, a player mm-hmm. like a Kevin Durant, and you know Kevin Durant creates you know creates so many different um, matchup problems. But then looking at this, you know we, we see the Warriors as the favorite, but that doesn't mean that the Cavs have no shot. The Cavs definitely have a shot. Um, Dave, looking at this matchup, what is the Cavs' best chance at beating the Warriors? So you're looking at this, you know every single game, night in, night out. What's the way the Cavs should be attacking this Golden State offense, this Golden State defense? What should they really be looking at? Honestly, defensively, their best bet is to continue to stifle Clay Thompson. He's a player who is very hot and cold, and mm-hmm. he's been pretty cold throughout the whole playoffs uh, consistently. So, honestly, if they can make an effort to keep him quiet early on, I think it gives them their best chance. Matchup-wise, Kevin Durant can score when he wants to score. I don't care who's guarding him. Like It's just fact at this point. He, he's taken less shots. But he's more efficient, and Mm -hmm. it's disgusting. Curry will make mistakes offensively, so if you let Kyrie pressure him, I'm pretty happy with that matchup still. Uh, The the big question comes down to how much of a factor is Draymond Green going to be down low? And, I mean, we saw what he can do, not only down low, but also stretching the floor. When he when he got hot last year and just started nailing threes, well, that game, that game seven for yeah. Draymond. I mean, he you know it was insane. We, we talk about LeBron James' performance in game seven. I mean, Draymond was just outshadowed. Draymond wasn't too far from a, no. a triple double in that game himself. Um, so I, you know, looking at defense, I think we saw a lot of exploitations. Even you know, just looking at that Celtics, you know, with it without it. You saw a lot of ball movement, and that hurt the Cavs. I mean, it's just something where there was so much ball movement that it hurt. And even Ty Lue saying that the Celtics are a harder team to defend than the Warriors. So, Ricky, you know, taking that in, um, do you agree that defensively that's where the Cavs should be attacking, or are you looking more on Golden State side and saying that ball movement is going to be the key to, you know, you know, really exploiting this Cavs defense that people are saying is weak. I think the biggest thing for the Cavaliers, and it's the weird thing about this is. The Cavaliers already know what they have to do because even with KD, the biggest change from last year to this year, you still defend the Warriors the same way. They're still the same team at a core. To me, communication on the court is going to be their biggest thing because you talk about ball movement, that's all the Warriors do, whether it's Mm -hmm. off of screens, whether it's who's getting the ball, who's going what, who's screening, what do you have to do to change to it. You have to be perfect with your communication with each other and really anticipate like, okay, this person's coming off a screen. I got to go with him. Both of us can't go with Zaza coming in because, oh, Steph Curry's wide open. And to me, I look at this Cavs team and LeBron's going to step up. I don't expect LeBron to get sick again and only put up six points. I say that because, you know, Jordan dropped how many when he was sick, but no big deal. But he's going to show up. I expect Love and Kyrie to be there with him. It's all the role players. How is Kyle Korver? Kyle Korver's got to shoot well. 
If he shoots well from beyond the arc, that can kind of neutralize some threes that you're going to get on the Warriors' side. Also, Darren Williams. What if LeBron has to come out again like he was in foul trouble? Mm -hmm. The Warriors are a team that... Like, you saw the Celtics when LeBron wasn't out there. Yeah, they got up to a 16-point lead, but Kyrie neutralized it, and it was only a 10-point lead going to the half. The Warriors aren't going to let you neutralize it as much. They're a team that can flip the switch and go up from 10 to 25 in the blink of an eye. So then taking in all that, I mean, obviously communication's big. Um, looking at LeBron James and, and the factor that he is, because you mentioned the 11-point game, not the 6-point game. Just saying, you know, he didn't put up only 6 points. He put up 11. I'm just saying, all Jordan right? had a better sick performance. Yeah, and right now LeBron's having the best, one of the best postseasons ever. Right? I know. It's, it's just, just a little stab, a little jab. Yeah, well, God, let me have it. And I'm giving one back. <laughs> um, but looking at LeBron, looking at what he's been able to do, I mean, we talk about the, the postseason, what he's been able to do so far. 32 points per game. You look at 8 rebounds per game, 7 assists per game. Uh, I mean, he's doing, you know, 2.2 steals per game, one point four blocks per game. We know he's the greatest player on earth right now. You know, mm-hmm. shooting fifty six percent from the field, forty two percent from three, uh putting up around, you know, nearly similar free throw uh, uh averages around his career, shooting seventy one percent. We know he's the best player on the floor, but is it enough this year with the addition of K D to be able to overcome this? Because we saw last year that those last three games LeBron mm-hmm. took over. Yes, Kyrie was fantastic in those last three games as well. But you look at LeBron's uh performance on both the offensive side and defensive side, LeBron was unreal. We we just kind of stopped arguing who's the best player in the world. Just now it's LeBron and we know it's LeBron. We know not to question LeBron. So looking at this, how much is the LeBron factor and does he really need to carry this team for the next seven, six, five games, uh, four games, whatever, how long it is um, for the next, because we know how uh, for the next couple games, because we know Kyrie can step up. We know Caleb has been stepping up recently, but then also, you know, Kyrie in that last game uh, mm-hmm. twisted his ankle and that looked wobbly. Um, you look at Caleb, uh, he's got back problems. So does LeBron really need to carry this team like he's yes. done the past two finals? Yes. And the reason why is I'm going to use last year's finals as the example. When you think back to last year, when I say 2016 NBA Finals, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? 3-1 lead. The first thing. <laughs> that's not the first thing that comes to my mind. The one is the block. I think it's a stupid meme of 3-1 lead. The Igudala block is uh-huh. the thing that I think of. And to kind of go with the question that you asked, that block alone, do you remember the beginning of that series when it got to 3-1? How we're like, man, this is kind of a... Uh, this isn't the NBA Finals that we were thinking about. And then... Boom, the last thing we remember is the Igudala block. I, and oh my god, this this series was amazing. First off, that series was amazing. Yep. Second of all Not when it was three one. Yeah, and then you had the three one comeback and it was amazing. Um first off, I'm surprised that you didn't mention that Kyrie was the moment because I know you were giving Kyrie a ton of shit saying LeBron yep. didn't take the final shot. So Ricky, like you were saying, as far as LeBron being the, like that block being such mm-hmm. a moment in the series, and that's that's what LeBron James can do. He can take over in one moment and change the way the game is going. He can kill all momentum for the other team he can just become bigger than the game itself almost on the floor and in one snap second like that and honestly for me that's why he is not only not not just the stats but his presence on the floor he is one of the most commanding players I think probably the most important guy on the court for any team because normally you see coaches kind of being the guys who sway the momentum they get the team you know back in momentum they well, know when to the stop coach. the game and that's yeah. the thing he is <laughs> he the is coach the out coach. there and you the think Ty lose the he coach. can do that He's on the fly kind of the and, and the gm and the, and the gm <laughs> and everything else and, and the mayor and the yeah. owner so like the, the importance of him being on the court and being able to do that and him knowing that he's been through this situation before he's been to the finals he knows the matchup with the warriors i feel like it's almost an advantage that the warriors lose out on because of steve kerr's health 
because mm -hmm. Steve Kerr was such a smart head coach and he knew how to do smart timeouts, great uh, lineup rotations, and you know it was just extremely well timed. And it was like you look back and you're like, man, he he knew like he didn't let it get out of hand. He knew exactly when to stop it, when to kill the other team's momentum. And LeBron James doing that on the court for the Cavs versus them missing out on Steve Kerr, I think is it's like it's not a direct matchup, but I feel like it really is. Yeah, and that's one thing I want to get get to real quick because I was going to mention. Um, you know who, who's the Warriors player that we should really be hooking us on? I mean, obviously we look at the Cavs. It should be LeBron James, but I want to go to that point just because we, we ended up bringing, bringing it up. Steve Kerr. Um, I, I forget when the last game he coached was. It was I think it was either the second game of that Portland uh, Portland series. Mm -hmm. It was it was right I think right be like the third or fourth, second yeah. game in the Portland series. Then Mike Brown took over. Hasn't coached since, and and pretty much the reports are saying that it's nothing's changed. He's in the same uh, spot right here. So looking at the matchup of Mike Brown, LeBron's former coach. Um, anti Lou and then LeBron himself. How much is that a factor? Because have you noticed, Dave, at least um, a huge change between Mike Brown and Steve Kerr from the Spurs series and, and the the Jazz series prior to this? Have you noticed a huge, drastic change in the way that Mike Brown and Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr have coached, or is it just more of something where Steve Kerr is more of this reassuring face? Or have you noticed anything? Yeah, actually, crazy different? I'm happy you brought that up because there there is a little bit of a difference between the two. Steve Kerr commands a different presence than Mike Brown does. Mm -hmm. Mike Brown feels like he fits in with one of he's a player's coach. He's more of one of the guys. And I feel like on the sideline, he kind of lets things get a little he lets them play their game and he tries to only when needed step in. And that's you know, he learned that from LeBron. Like when he was coaching LeBron, it was like, I know my role, I know I only have to do this much to get there. So I'm gonna let you guys take care of everything you guys already know. And I'll just be here for the little reminders, the little just hey think about this when you guys are doing a switch think about mm -hmm. this when you're setting a screen kind of thing the problem is that we saw the struggles early on against san antonio when Kawhi was out there and he didn't have an answer for it and it makes you start to question like when he comes up against a problem that people on the court can't solve for you like how are you going to outcoach that moment and i do have questions about that and ricky i'm going to go to you now mm -hmm. because you know dave talking about that looking at mike brown um you know mentioning i think he brought up a great point when he said you know letting the players do their own work um, but when you run into a problem, it's really that adjustment. So looking at the Warriors, it pretty much is when all systems are go, this is the best team we've ever seen on, on the floor, or one of the best teams we ever saw, because I know they'll bring up the Bulls. Um, one of the best teams we've ever saw. But then, you know, when we see the struggles, when we see Steph Curry and Klay Thompson's struggles at the end of the finals last year, where they were just, you know, I know Steph was was wobbled up, and, you know, how Dave mentioned that uh, Kawhi's like the most hot and cold player in Clay, the NBA. Yeah. Oh, Clay. I'm sorry. Not like to say Kawhi? <laughs> yeah. Fucked up. It's all good. Um, anyways, Clay, uh, how he's so hot and cold. Looking at this, is it is it that big of a difference? Because we know that on paper, at least on the floor, mm -hmm. Warriors have the best five. But is it more of they have the best five, but then you have a better coach and you know who who gets along better with his uh, players, at least with Ty Lue on the floor. So is it that big of an advantage that it might balance the scales just a little bit? Well, and that's why to, I'm going to answer this by going back to a question yeah. that you recently asked. The most important player to me in this series is Kevin Durant okay. because going back to that. Game one that we saw in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I know it was right after Kawhi came out, but for most of that second half, most of that third quarter, Steph Curry was on the bench, and they were the trainers were working on Steph Curry, and you had um, I want to say it was Mark Jackson and uh, Van or Van Gundy going, "Hey, yeah. dude, what is he doing? Like he's he's walking over there. Is he going to get back out there?" Meanwhile, while they're doing that, who's taking over the game for the Warriors? It's Kevin Durant, and to me, 
Kevin Durant needs to be that guy when, if Steph Curry and Klay Thompson fall back and get cold. He needs to be the constant. And I think that it's the one thing the Cavs are going to have a little hard time adjusting to is, to me, defensive matchups. Because, of course, Kyrie is going to be put on um, Steph Curry. And LeBron, you can put him on Draymond or either on Durant. I would start him on Durant and put Tristan Thompson on um, Draymond. But then it's one of those things, okay, with Clay, who are you going to like? Is J.R. Smith going to be that lockdown defender against a Clay Thompson? Where are you putting Kevin Love? Kevin Love, then. Kevin I'll Love say, on like, Kevin say, Love on Zaza. He's taking a breakdown, I, low. I completely forgot about Kevin <laughs> Actually, Love. Actually, Kevin Love or Tristan to, on to Draymond. Be fair, like, Tristan's a bigger body, though. He's a bigger body. <laughs> and if you put Kevin Love on Zaza to follow through with the pick and roll yeah. screens, like. Honestly, no. that's not. I know. I, 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 I just thought it was I funny because you just forgot lose Caleb. Yeah, I he forgot about Caleb. No, no, he, he wasn't like so much. This wasn't like that. Oh. He wasn't like. Oh, I you know, know this. I, up think, here. I can't say that. Um, no, yeah. Looking, looking at Caleb, I think, I think, um, at least a dark horse on this team is Caleb. Um, at least for me, I know this is this wasn't the question. Mm-hmm. I'm just bringing this up, but uh, uh, Caleb is probably the biggest dark horse on and any of the teams because we know the top four for the the the, the Warriors. We know that you know Clay when he's on, he's unreal. He's just lights out. Steph Curry can hit from anywhere on the floor. Great floor general. You look at uh, Draymond Green, fantastic player, just all around on both sides of the court. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, one of the most unstoppable scorers. And then Zaza is going to give you at least a big body. And, and he might grab some boards. He's not going to do anything crazy. Um, you look at the, the Cavs right here. Um, you know, JR can get hot. He can be a microwave, and he can be decently de- decent defensively. Kyrie can be the hottest player on the, on the floor, but then you know, you're still going to get around 25 from a night. You know, LeBron players, LeBron's going to be the best player on the court no matter what. He, LeBron's you know, going to be able to facilitate, rebound, dominate on both sides of the floor. Um, you look at Tristan Thompson, he provides a lot of energy, offensive ro- rebounds, defensive boards. But then you look at K-Love. He's a player that can put up six points a night and six rebounds, or he can be that monster that we saw in Game Four of seventeen and seventeen. So I think you look at see, but K-Love, that's going to be the the biggest difference from the Celtics series to this one. When he's on offense, who's going to be in his face? Draymond. Well, that's the thing that I'm I'm just looking at is you know you look at Caleb and that's why he's the X factor mm-hmm. because at least he can take the best defender yeah. out of the situation. He can take the best. He's defender also not going to have wide on, open looks like the Celtics were like, yeah, sure, here, here's a wide well, open look. And, and one thing you know that might change <laughs> too it. is. I mean, maybe you see Draymond play a little bit on LeBron, and then mm-hmm. KD goes on, on Kevin Durant, which might give at least Kevin Love the uh, the body size there, which is going to be an interesting factor. It's just really how is K-Love going to respond? Um, are we going to get Game 7 K-Love where he dominates the boards? I'm saying last year's Game 7 mm-hmm. uh, where he dominates the boards. Or are we just going to get, you know, shy Kevin Love like from Game 2? Stand in the corner. Or, 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 he didn't play Game 2 last year. Yeah, I mean, he— But, yeah, know, I know where you're going Yeah, I mean, yeah. K-Love can be a, a quiet— just little church mouse, or he could be a, a huge presence <laughs> on the Hashtag floor. Church so. mouse. Yeah, you need to get a little bit of the uh, the old Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, yeah. Caleb. Back. You need to go twenty twenty, Caleb. Uh, but looking at this, I think he's the biggest X factor. Um, Dave, real quick, um, who is the most important player on the Warriors? Because you touched on Mike Brown. Um, is it Steph because he is at least the floor general? Is it KD like Ricky mentioned? Um, is it Draymond because he can do everything? What is really the, the most important? I mean, probably Javale McGee. We can all agree is uh, <laughs> the most important player. The war machine. So. <laughs> no, no. Uh, personally, for me, I, I think it is Steph Curry, um, and it feels almost like a cop out. But what he can do offensively, it, it's something else. I mean, he can pull up from anywhere inside a half court and mm-hmm. make a shot, and he's confident about it. So yeah. it, it's a dangerous level of three point shooting, coupled with the fact that. 
he has such a creative mind as far as passing lanes are concerned, and he always thinks he can just stretch out a little bit further one way or the other and get the ball to you. Um, sometimes it does lead to some sloppy turnovers, but you know it's the game they play, and I think that the team as a whole trusts him and trusts his decision making. Well, I think we, we talked a little bit about starting lineups. I think you know on paper, mm-hmm. easily the Warriors. I mean, they have the best four players in, in NBA history on one team. Um, you look at the coaching matchup. We touched upon that. You got Mike Brown on the Warriors side, and we're a little bit iffy on his defensive matchups and how can you really adjust when this team's facing pressure. Ty Lue has done that with this team before, even though he took away. You know, he's, he hasn't been coached for too long of the Cavs. Uh, but you know, winning a, uh, a championship last. Year, going through the 3-1 uh, comeback last year. So Ty Lue gets the advantage there in the coaching department. Also having LeBron on your side doesn't help or doesn't hurt you uh, there. And then No, it doesn't help at all. doesn't help at all. <laughs> LeBron sucks. Uh, but then looking at the bench, pretty much the last mm-hmm. frontier, um, we know about Chandre Lividala, the best six man in, 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 the, in the world. Honestly, though, like... But that's what I want it, to mention. It's you, been a little disappointing. The Cavs have the better bench, in my mind. You think so? Because and, you look at Kev, uh, Kyle Korver, you look at uh, Channing Fry, you look at Darren Williams, all these players on the bench. Do you the think, first and the third person person you mentioned are the two that I look at that have to help they have to find ways to help this team because we've seen it already with um D Will who first off I gotta congratulate him because in his whole NBA career former Illini finally gets to the finals. Hopefully it doesn't mean, pull 2005 and mm-hmm. losing against Sean May. Let's, and I'm rooting for the Warriors so I wouldn't mind that. But if he won I'd be happy for the former um fighting Illini but he needs to be important and pick his spots because we've seen a little bit in the game where LeBron was sick mm-hmm. and he ran the point, but also when earlier in the playoffs when Tyloo went to that kind of second lineup with LeBron where it's like, you know what, Kyrie, K-Love, you guys are on the bench, and he threw D-Will out there to work mm-hmm. and be that key piece in that kind of a lineup. And then Kyle Korver, he's got to be a microwave. He's got to go off from beyond the arc because if he can shoot, like I mentioned earlier, if he can shoot threes, that's going to help neutralize any, like if he hits five, six threes in a game, that's going to just neutralize yep. any threes that the uh, Steph Curry or Clay Thompson hits because we know the Warriors are going to jack up threes. Uh, Dave, do you agree that with Ricky that the Cavs have a better bunch? I do. It, it's been really kind of a disappointing. Even with uh, JaVale McGee? I, I like <laughs> JaVale McGee <laughs> takes them to like here. They're, they're, they're close. They're close, though. Um, look, I, I like the Cavs bench, and I like the fact that they've kind of taken – you know, their play style on a pivot in one season. And after watching the finals last year and understanding the value in the three, they've refocused their entire mm-hmm. bench to be three and D, three and D. And, well, LeBron and, refocused well, it. And yes. that's, that's the thing, too. <laughs> three in the attempted D when it comes to Corver. Is that people bring up that the Cavs have built this to beat the Warriors. So well, yeah, LeBron has built They're this now out the shooting three pointers. They've, they're mm-hmm. they're better at the three ball than the Warriors are currently. Mm-hmm. At it's, least it's percentage wise. Percentage wise. Yes. It, it's crazy, though, to think about that with a team that. Steph Curry is going to be the all-time greatest three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. Clay Thompson's not going to be too far behind, and Kevin Durant score from anywhere. But Draymond can even shoot threes. Yeah, I mean it's it's freakish. Uh, like seven or seven in that game seven. Mm-hmm. The 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 disappointing thing is, you know, Iguodala is pretty much done at this point. Uh, he can't give you much anymore. It, Livingston's still efficient in a short amount of time on the court, which is good. But like, it's really kind of gone back to you need to keep one of those four amazing starters on the court at all times. It's going to be KD. It's a balance, yeah. and you can run iso ball with KD to compensate for that lack of bench scoring. Well, and the one thing too is is um, I think we'll get to this a little bit when we give our predictions. But do you think that? And I agree with you guys. You know, you look at um, you know Kyle Korver, you look at Tristan, uh, not Tristan Thompson, Amon Shumpert, Darren Williams, Channing Fry, uh, Richard Jefferson, who was huge 
um, last year. Hasn't played a ton of minutes. Really, really this year, though, the one thing I want to say about Richard Jefferson, and I love his Snapchat because he's a funny guy, this year has kind of felt like the kind of not oh, retirement yeah, tour, but the I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit here and maybe we'll get a championship kind of a season. Yeah. I mean, he's, from he's Jefferson. He's 36 years old. I mean, yeah. you're not expecting a lot. From he's him. kind of begged to come back um, at the parade and said, "Ah, oh, fuck it, why not?" Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, looking looking at this, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, mm-hmm. Again, we saw the early spurts of when Kyle Korver first came over, shooting above 50 percent from three. Oh, yeah. Um, if he can do that and LeBron can space the floor and he can get those open shots, I mean, that's going to be a huge different uh, difference maker there. But then, again, what I want to bring up is is this signing of KD. Could the signing of KD, weirdly enough, hurt the Warriors because this bench isn't as deep? You don't have Leandro Barbosa. You don't have all these players to rely on beyond Chandra Levadala. You don't have all these players behind him. So do you think the, the signing of KD will either help the Warriors get over? And this is where I'm asking mm-hmm. you guys, wh- wh- you know, f- who's going to win the finals and when? Do you think that the the signing of KD will help them overcome the Cavs this time? It's definitely going to help. Like I don't think we look back, no matter what the outcome is, I don't look back and go, man, if the Warriors had never signed KD, mm-hmm. man, they would have won the finals. However, the one thing that I think of is, is this going to put a little bit more pressure on the Warriors? Because it's like, okay, this is what you made the signing for. Yeah. You made it. To win, the, to make you not only the best team on paper, but to win the NBA Finals. And with Kevin Durant, pressure individually of, okay, big boy, this is why you made the move. You made the move here because you felt like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and this team was going to help you win a title. Mm-hmm. If you don't win a title, kind of feels wasted in a way. Well, are they going to win a title? Kind of feels wasted if they don't win a title. Are they going to win a title? KD. Yeah. I I have the Warriors and I'm gonna go six. And who's gonna be your finals MVP? My finals MVP will be Kevin Durant. All right, so you think he's gonna step up, Dave? Looking at all this, who's gonna win the finals? How many games? And who's your finals MVP? God, I want to I want to just waffle on this thing for like another week or so <laughs> to think about because well, we don't have a well, week. I know. I know. July, June first is de- coming up. Ideally, I'd like to wait for Stephen A. to make his pick. He already has. He's picked the Cavaliers. Thank God, Warriors are winning. Yep. It's pretty much locked in. <laughs> Who's uh, I do have the Warriors winning. Uh, it's I, I want a good series though, so I'm gonna say six games. And I I, I no, really go Ricky seven. said six two. Not yeah, say seven. yeah, but but the last time I said six, it was like oh that's done in four. Oh that's done in four. I say five games. Oh that's done in four. Not gonna say seven. It's just, I hope that I hope it doesn't continue with their curse of like every team they play is somebody out and the other mm-hmm. team goes down. Like that'd be super super disappointing. So. <laughs> Honestly, like, I, I, I've got the Warriors in six, but I've got LeBron James, MVP. Well, one thing I want to mention is how, who who would the injury bug hurt the most? Because we see that Kyrie twisted well, his ankle there. Ky- I think Kyrie. Um, I mean, Caleb's back is big. But, but even like, on the Warriors side, because we saw that Steph last year bummed ankle, and mm-hmm. he was just he was nothing in those last, what, three or four games. I mean, like, so do you think that uh, an injury to the big four of the Warriors would hurt more, or do you think uh, an injury to Ky- Kyrie or Caleb would hurt more? Injury the to the Cavs would hurt more. If okay. you took out... Kyrie Irving, that would be a Steph Curry dramatically different team. I mean, Steph Curry, yeah. like, I love D. Will, but his defense on Steph Curry would not be anywhere near Kyrie Irving. But then you say you take out Steph, then who's going to guard Who's gonna guard Kyrie? 
then you know you look at that, and then is is Clay Thompson going to be hot or cold? And then you look at Kevin Durant. Is he going to be able to handle all this pressure up against LeBron James? Mm-hmm, I think yeah. it's just you know I'm just throwing out the question. Um, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to go with what got me uh, a ton of views last time. And, and, <laughs> and we got a ton of hate. Um, and Ricky throwing headsets. Cavs in seven. LeBron's the Finals MVP because he's the best damn player in the world. I've actually got one question for you. Yes, kind of, and this has to go with Kevin Durant. Now, I'm going to phrase mm-hmm. this, and I'm going to expect Sean to be his special guru and kind of understand what okay. I'm trying to say because I'm okay, trying shit. in my head to kind of word this question. Do you think with this finals, because we mentioned KD and I mentioned how there might be a little bit of pressure on him to win this. And I know it was yeah. a different team the last time he went to the finals against LeBron. Do you think if he wins the finals, we look at it and it's it's kind of like a knock against Harden. I know Harden was a different player, but Harden and Russ where it's like, yeah, he couldn't win a title with you. But then he came and won a title with the Golden State Warriors and needed that much better talent around him to beat LeBron. So it's a, is it a knock on Kevin KD? Durant? Is it, a, is it a knock on, do we look at it, not us, but more so like KD, more of a knock on Russ and Harden, where it's like, yeah, with you guys I couldn't win. With these guys, I could. I No, because Harden's a completely different player than he was on OKC. He was completely, I mean, he was more of a 3 and D player there. Now he's an all-around point guard, and, and it's completely different there. You look at Russ, I think it's more interesting to look at Russ. Um, but at the end of the day, you look at the team around KD compared to the K- team that was around Russ and uh, KD back then, who almost beat him. Uh, mm-hmm. The Warriors had to come back 3-1-2. Uh, then, I mean, you look at that, the team around KD and Russ back well, I'm then, talking I mean, there about, was not a lot there. I'm talking about going back further when they played LeBron in the finals. Yeah, what I'm saying is Harden's completely okay. different. I think, Harden's I think it's not almost the same more of a knock on KD then, wouldn't yeah. you say? Like the fact that he couldn't take his team over LeBron, but... You know, you go but to now he could. what is the best team on paper that has yeah. ever been assembled? I don't think it's a knock on any. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's a knock on anybody because the knocks came when KD signed. That's yeah. like, that's like, well, you're ruining the NBA. That's yeah. I think that's the one thing where mm-hmm. it's not a knock on Harden or Russ because we, we know the struggles that Russ and, and KD had together playing together. Um, but then you look at Harden. Harden's completely different than what he was in 2012. So I, I think that's um, it's not really a knock on anybody. It's I, my knocks get, came all to KD when he signed. And I think it's still a bullshit signing. But anyways, um, <laughs> I think I got the Cavs in seven. Well, LeBron's the finals MVP. Tell us who you think is going to be the finals MVP. Tell us who you got winning in in how many games. It should be fun. Uh, Ricky and I, I know we had a lot of fun watching these games last year. Uh, We're going to continue it. We're going to bring Dave in the mix this time. Mm -hmm. It should be fun. So tell us who you think is going to win the finals in the comments down below and how many games. But let's move on to the Spurs and the possibility of them bringing in Chris Paul. You look at this. Mark Stein was not fired from ESPN. Mm-hmm. He wrote, sources, Clippers regard Spurs as the legitimate threat to sign Chris Paul. San Antonio's are exploring the feasibility of making a free agent run at all-star point guard Chris Paul. Um, league sources told ESPN. So looking at this, there's a lot of cap moves that need to be made. So let me get into it first before um, this all happens because a lot needs to be made. Thank you, Sean. The max offer that the Spurs can make Chris Paul is four years, $152 million. Um, the Clippers can probably offer up something around five years, $210 million, um, with the way that the new CBA has been restructured. But that also might be different because of certain uh, contract uh, trade clauses and, and all that that is in CP3's contract. Uh, but then looking at this, this is what they need to offer a max deal to Chris Paul. They need to 
renounced the rights to Manu Ginobili, Patty Mills, Jonathan Simmons, as well as potential free agents of Dwayne Dedman and David Lee. And they would also face complications uh, and decisions on uh, Tony Parker and then possibly uh, Paul Gasol and Danny Green. Um, And also there's the possibility of them possibly moving LaMarcus Aldridge's contract if Powell resigns, because uh, Powell does have a player option, so a lot needs to happen for this to happen. But it really—we're not really going to phrase this as should the uh, Clip, uh, Spurs sign CP3, because I think we're all in agreement. Mm-hmm. If you have yeah. a chance, yeah, you should definitely try to do that. I was going to say fuck yeah, but I you know, went with the the more PC thing of hell yeah. Um, <laughs> but looking at this, um, CP3 would make the Spurs a much better team. We we all know that. I mean, you look at Tony Parker, he was fantastic in the playoffs, and he, he was pretty good this, this regular season, but you see the injury that he suffered during the playoffs, looks old, he's getting older, not getting any younger. You look at Patty Mills, he's going to want a better contract, so you're going to have to put a lot into him, but then if you get a massive upgrade in CP3, possibly the best point guard that San Antonio's ever seen, that would be something that completely changed the game and you know, put a threat towards the Warriors. So it's really the question of will CP3 sign with the Spurs because there's a lot to go into it. And then also CP3 wants will have to take less money and then think that San Antonio is a better option than Los Angeles. So looking at this, Ricky, do you think that CP3 will end up signing with the Spurs? I would say yes. And the reason why is even if, let's say, the Clippers go, you know what, come on and stay, Blake's coming back, you can come back. We're going to put together a team. I would look Doc Rivers in the face and go, no, we're not, because you have proven that you can't do both head coach and lead the basketball operations because this team, like you even mentioned before we started recording the segment of, yeah, Ricky, you had them in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, and then I was blatantly wrong because they were a horrible team this year. And by well, horrible, I mean they didn't live up to potential. A lot of injuries. And CP3 is, got injured. Blake got injured. And I know you can say that, but at the same time, I kind of look at they it and did. go, it's kind of an excuse for this team because obviously Doc Rivers is in over his head on the basketball operations side. I would say he, head coach, we'll get someone else for the operations side. But for the Spurs, I think CP3 should be more than willing to come to the Spurs because you look at this team and the big thing I look at is from what you said, the most interesting part is where you're like, oh yeah, they're thinking about moving LaMarcus Aldridge. And to me, that's one where I look at it and go, yeah, go ahead and do that. Because the biggest thing, what was the biggest thing we saw in the Western Conference Finals when Kawhi went out? What was Pop saying about LaMarcus? Oh, he needs to basically take over the game. He can't Mm -hmm. be secondary and be waiting for shots. He's got to get going right away. Well, guess who's not going to be that passive? CP3. So if I'm CP3, I'm going, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be able to win a title with the Clippers. Do I want the money or do I want the titles? Let's be honest. You want the titles, go to the Spurs. It's a bold call, Ricky. Um, I I sort of agree with you in principle about, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, being an easier asset to move or maybe maybe a more possible one to move realistically. Uh, but Chris Paul, you know, as, as the head of the Players Association for the NBA, like he and LeBron kind of crafted that new CBA to ensure that they would get another contract after this one. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is the reason why that he would take the jump right now to the Spurs because the window has really closed on this Clippers team and closed hard with injuries. And with Chris Paul the last couple of years, uh, 74 games and 61 games respectively, and then you look at Blake Griffin and his injuries. I mean, he 67, 35, 61. Like those, you, you can't build championships around players who are injured year after year after year. Mm-hmm. 
and having someone as reliable. I know Kawhi just went out with an injury, but like different different levels of injury. That was Let's yeah, be he completely got honest. On. Yeah. Um, and that was you know whether you want to say it was dirty or right. uh, you know a complete accident. It was uh, it looked like an accident, or there was some ways you could see it as an accident. Right, right. And 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 the point is like I would put my faith into. I'm going to go for the ring at this point because mm-hmm. I have one more shot at a big contract. I have faith in yourself on that end. And then know that, look, this this Clippers team could just completely blow up during this offseason. I, I could easily see J.J. being gone. I could see Blake Griffin. He's probably going to say he's still there, like mm-hmm. centerpiece. But like, yeah. there's a lot of questions around this team and what they're going to do. And just be realistic with yourself and be like, how am I going to get over the Warriors? Because that's the only question. And if you watched what happened with his Spurs team this year, you go, yeah, if I was out there and healthy. With Kawhi. With a Kawhi, healthy Kawhi. Leonard, Like, I don't see any reason they couldn't put up a solid fight against him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to think that you could have two super teams out there in San Antonio. Because I don't think Los Angeles is a, is a current super team. I no. mean, you look at Blake Griffin, I think he's completely overrated. DeAndre Jordan's a fantastic player, and I think he would do exactly what he's doing. Um, but it's it's completely heightened with the addition of Chris Paul, because he's going to make those lanes more Yeah, he's open. one he's half gonna, of Lob City. Yeah, I know. It's, Chris Paul's a fantastic playmaker, and DeAndre Jordan would thrive on different NBA teams. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Jordan, I don't know if he was an all-pro on different NBA teams. I think he's he, kicking himself for not going to Dallas, even though Dallas is, was worse than yeah, L.A. I don't know about that. He still got paid in L.A. Yeah, he's getting yeah. paid, but we'll CP3 is going to be gone. He's a guy who I think his functionality is completely based off of him being in the right system. I think him in a different system would easily disappear. Like mm-hmm. we but wouldn't see the the level of impact that he puts out in LA if we dropped him onto like Utah or or, or like the with Timberwolves Utah he might be like, able to do it. Like he needs to land in the right system with the right guys around him because otherwise he just turns into like a better Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler was really good. He was all right. Tyson Chandler was Defensive Player of the Year a couple times. Yeah, way back, though. I'm talking, like, right now. No, DeAndre Jordan's better than T- Tyson and Chandler right now. And that is why I said he's a I, better version of Tyson Chandler. I disagree with that. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know why we got to that, there. That's, but, a sho- that's a shocker. Um, we have a disagreement. Man, looking, looking at this, uh, Chris Paul, I, they're not a super team is mm-hmm. what I was trying to get to. Um, and, and Chris Paul going to San Antonio would create super teams, a, a super team, or at least two super teams in the, in, in the West. You have Chris Paul at at least the point guard. Um, if Danny Green's able to stay back with this crazy contract situation um, that the Spurs would be put in having to sign, um, Chris Paul, I mean, it might be a mess. But then you Would have they Chris have Paul. to, though? And the question I want to pose out there is, of course, like everyone's expecting that, oh, if CP3 moves, he's going to maximize and want the most years and the um, most uh, money that he can get. But do you think there's an option, maybe CP3, looks at because one of the things we've talked about is team banana boat Mm -hmm. does he look at it and go well you know lebron's kind of locked up for maybe two years at the most with the Cavs before he's an unrestricted free agent you know what i'll take a two-year deal and then me and lebron will become unrestricted free agents at the same time Mm -mm. to put team banana boat together i think with the way that you like dave was mentioning this is the last chance or one of the last chances you can have it as a at a big contract Mm -hmm. with the way that Injuries can't happen with the way that, like Dave said, 74 games and 61 games uh, that Chris Paul has played yep. in the last two seasons. 
Uh, you, you know, his body's not breaking down, but it could break at any moment. And he's 32 years old. He'll be 36 when the four-year deal uh, ended up, or if he sent a five-year deal, he'll be 37. So looking at this, I don't think this is going to be something where he, he's going to take less than the max. He's going to take the max anywhere he goes, whether it's Los Angeles, whether it's San Antonio. And, and looking at what that would create is at the two super teams, you have Chris Paul, Danny Green possibly, Kawhi um, at the power forward position, you would have LaMarcus Aldridge, I guess, and then or, or at the center position, you have LaMarcus Aldridge, and then at that power forward you're probably going to have to put a bum there because you don't have... Yeah, they'll find someone, though. That's the thing. Like, yeah. Come on. This is the Spurs. They'll pull up somebody from the D-League, and they'll just shine like a star. You look at Dwayne Dedman. He mm-hmm. was fantastic He's throughout this whole season. Uh, David Lee was... Uh, Somebody's going to give him money. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 did he, look he had bad. a resurgence. Yeah, and then Paul, Powell would obviously... Uh, well, I think he would have to be gone for them to be able to sign. Otherwise, he'd have um, to take away less money. He's got no incentive to do that. Yeah, so he, he would have to you know take less money. So at least you look at the four right there of Danny Green, um, Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard, and LaMarcus Aldridge. I don't know if that's on the super team level of KD, Steph, Clay, and Draymond, but it's still pretty fucking I think, good. I think matchup-wise, they did keep up, though. That's the thing, mm-hmm. and that's all you really need to do because – who knows what happens every year? We watched it uh, again this year, and it was how many guys went down with injuries in these playoffs, and it was just one after the other after the other. So really, I mean, the biggest thing is get to the playoffs, be healthy, and you don't know what's going to happen as far as the player health, but if you know that you can give them a fair fight for their money, like the the San Antonio team, like honestly, probably would have taken the Warriors to six or seven if Kawhi was healthy. Yeah. So if you're telling me we're going to lose a little bit of bench depth, but we're going to gain Chris Paul... I mean, come on. What is not to love in that kind of a trade? And taking all of that in because, you know, we talk about the Spurs improving as a team, the Warriors at least not having a lot of bench. You're going to have, you know, three players in Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard, LaMarcus Aldridge going up against Steph, Clay, Draymond, and, and Kevin Durant. Which team would you favor at least? And then we'll go back to the Spurs and, and Chris Paul. But what team would you favor? If, if those three are laid out and those four are laid out, who would you take in a seven-game series? Hmm. <clears throat> Because you look you know, at what Kawhi did. I was gonna say I want to lead game. to Kawhi, and that's mm-hmm. and maybe I'm overhyping him, but like he's someone who, again, we, we talked about like with his growth and his career and how much he's changed the way he plays. He's grown a shot, and he's continued to get better and better. I just, I honestly feel like he's you know like after LeBron, it's Kawhi, and then Kevin Durant, and then it kind of like goes back and forth a little bit. But like honestly, he's a guy who I could see taking over a series easily. So. I'm going to say it's it's a flat even draw for me. And Chris Paul can at least take up some of the slack offensively, and he's, Chris Paul himself can even create more opportunities for Marcus Aldridge yeah, offensively. Yeah, I mean, on, his, his passing ability with that Spurs system... That'd be something. And you look at uh, LaMarcus, I mean, at least Chris Paul defensively, one of the best defensive guards in, in the NBA. Ricky, who would you take? Would you still take the Warriors four, or would you take the Spurs three I that were take, coming up? I would take the the Warriors four, because the one thing that I know we didn't mention in the finals preview when we mentioned it, but I feel like even if Kawhi finished that game and the Spurs mm-hmm. won game one, Steve Kerr still working with the team they would have made the adjustments and would have eventually won that series. Now, would it have been a better series? Maybe. Might have gone six or seven. But I feel like the Warriors still Steve would have wasn't gotten off of... Well, no, he was still working... Like, like, he's making phone calls. And, yeah. Well, no, he was even there at halftime. When they'd go yeah. in at halftime, he's talking to the team at the half. They would still make the adjustments. So I would still go with the Warriors. The one thing I think about, though, with this is because of all the moves that would have to happen... Do the Spurs have to make this move? Do they have to get CP3? Because there are lesser options out there, and the one that I'm looking at is Derrick Rose. And I know that that's one where it's like, well, Sean, you mentioned 
CP3 and mm-hmm. his body might break down as he gets older. Derrick Rose car. has broken down. He's, He's broken only 28. Car. However, if you can get him for less and keep a little bit more of those reserves, I just I I kind of feel like the Spurs might be at more of a disadvantage than the Warriors than if it's like, well, screw it, we're going away from bench depth and we're going to go all in on CP3. D-Rose is taking the most money as can. He's going to if he can get a max, he's going to get a max. He's not going to get a he's max. Gonna, but, that's what I'm saying. But he's not he's going to take injury, less money. Yeah. He's not going to take a one-year contract. He's going to take as much money as he possibly can because that car can break down fully. Mm-hmm. I mean that that car can just be done um at any second. Um I, I think that's an interesting point that you bring up though because then you look at a guy like Drew Holiday. I don't know if Drew Holiday would offer at least warrant um max money. Uh, on the market there. I mean, if he Drew, gave you enough games, again, another injury-prone guard. And but then again, you look at Drew Holiday, and he was, uh, you know, he's a great facilitator. He's good defensively, not as good as Chris Paul. And then, like Ricky mentioned, at least you're not going to drain yourself defensively and, and depth-wise mm-hmm. looking at this team. So um, I, I think it's interesting. But then again, I, I think you have to make a move. You can't be stagnant yeah, if you're the Spurs. Th- they're going to take a shot. I mean, even even some of we talked about uh, Lowry being a possibility. Yeah, and it, it's they're they're going to take a shot. And I think. The biggest problem here is they're they're stuck in a bad financial place because of Paul Gasol kind of controlling them. So if they can well, like Jedi mind trick in no, him into I was, opting out, I was gonna say what might be a blessing in disguise is if Paul go ahead and if he says you know what I'm gonna take that player option and come back because then it forces you to move that Lamarcus Aldridge well, it doesn't contract. force you. It just makes you if stagnant. You, if you want CP3, you're going to move Lamarcus Aldridge. That's, that's that what point. I want to mention, though, is is, is uh, what would you rather have, CP3 or Lamarcus Aldridge? If it came down to that, would you rather CP3. have CP3, CP3 and signing him? Can I finish it? Can yeah. I, uh, CP3 and, and signing him or moving Lamarcus Aldridge. Why would you rather have CP3? It's what I saw in the Western Conference Finals. Lamarcus Aldridge, it, I know you could be saying, well, Ricky, you're putting a microscope over this one thing, but... When Kawhi went down and they needed LaMarcus Aldridge to step up, he didn't. And I don't have that worry with CP3. CP3, even if Kawhi goes down, even if a Tony Parker goes down, CP3 is going to say, okay, guys, huddle around, this is on me, and he's going to lead that team. LaMarcus Aldridge, isn't to me, is not that guy. Well, do you and think it's different just because of the positions they play, though? I mean, it, it's tough it could to be say that, that as a power I mean, the, forward. The point guard is one of those things where it's like you are the team— but if you're a vet on that team, I feel like you should be able to. Well, Kawhi's not out there; it's on me. And I look at well, I right mean, you now, still have one of the best coaches well, and Manu on that team. And I look at one of the things with where they are in their draft position. If they're able to trade Lamarcus, get CP3 for a year, I know that you're saying, "Well, Ricky, you're going to put a lot of stock in a rookie." You could have kind of a two-man platoon at that position of Paw, and then either, right now I'm looking at Tankathon, any of the power forwards they could take, Bam, who's currently mocked to him, they can go with Swanigan, or they can go with Jordan Bell. That's the top three power forwards that would be available for him at 29. So you can go ahead, take a power forward there, and just put a one-two of like, okay, Powell's our starter at power forward, and the rookie's right behind him. It's interesting to bring up, Dave, would you go CP3 or would you go LaMarcus, a guy that's been playing in your system, or would you rather... You know, pretty much more just the farmer on a 32-year-old. Weirdly enough, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, point guard is a position that right now we have such an overflow of talented point guards where the difference between a, 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 a top-tier point guard like Chris Paul and a middle-tier point guard somewhere like a, a Derrick Rose, Drew Holiday level 
Not that big of a difference, but as far as a power forward goes, or someone who can tweener between power forward and center, as LaMarcus Aldridge is, there, there's a hefty drop-off there. And I, I think you're being maybe overly critical of LaMarcus in that series because the Spurs' offense was never designed to run through LaMarcus Aldridge. He's never been a focal point for them. So I feel like saying that he couldn't get it done, it the system... It wasn't set for him to get yeah. it done. He did what he could, and I understand. Like he's done better in stints in the past. Well, it's but, like, like we saw him in that Rocket series. Even take you can over. see it's him like, in bursts. Yeah, it's one of those things where I just look at it and I go, "Why were you else? able to do it there, but you can't?" Match like, up. I'm not saying like the actual performance. I'm talking about looking at him on the court. It looked like, dude, you don't have the same fire you had. In that Rockets game then, where we saw you take over. But then again, that's one game where you know Kawhi is going to come back. This is you know Kawhi yeah. done, and it's something where you're looking at four of the greatest players in, in recent memory and to step one of the on best an defenders NBA court. in the league. Yeah, and you're looking Matched at Draymond up with Green. You spot on. You're not looking at Ryan Anderson. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's completely different there. Uh, I would agree with Dave. Just I would rather go LaMarcus Aldridge, like you said. And then, again, talking about that draft position, we're talking about a guy that we talked about it before, at least underrated draft prospects. We've mocked Josh Hart to him, and, and it's something mm-hmm. where we believe in Josh Hart. We saw that the the impact of Malcolm Brown, at least I believe in Josh well, Hart. Well, I mean, I if they need him. a power forward, well, though. That, that, but no, but I, what, I, what I would say is you look at Bam, he's a project. Jordan mm-hmm. Bell is very athletic. You look at Swanee, and he's not going to be able to get up and down the court as, as fluid as, as you look. But you look at Josh Hart, a guy that has experience, four years in college. We talk, look at the impact that Malcolm Brogdon mm-hmm. had um, on the Bucks. You know, a guy very similar in, in the ways that they've come up. I know Brogdon was older when he came out. But you look at Josh Hart, a guy that went through, won a championship at Villanova, has been a guy that's consistently averaged points, but is not a guy that's just stuck only as an offensive weapon. He's a guy that's an all-around player. He can do both things offensively, defensively, is a decent shooter, can facilitate the ball. I would rather go with LaMarcus in that situation because he's also been a guy that has been in your system, and he's been a guy that's been playing with you. And I'm not saying that CP3 won't fit in the Spurs system. It won't fit with Popovich. I think that will... That, that will you know, work itself out. But then again, you look at what Popovich is able to do and what he's able to instill in guys that you know have no uh, mm-hmm. NBA experience. You look at Dwayne Dedman. I mean, the guy that was tossed around every single NBA team, and he lands on the Spurs, and you just see a, a growth in his game that's unreal. You look at Jonathan Simmons, a guy that, again, bounced up into back and forth between the D-League. Pop really didn't believe in him, and once Pop put that belief in him, you know he really grew his game. Uh, Danny Green's a guy that's developed into a 3-and-D player and has consistently stayed in the NBA, but he's a guy, been a guy that you know was first on the Cleveland Cavaliers as a high draft pick, but really never flushed out there. He goes to the Spurs and develops his game, and now he's playing some of the best ball he's ever played. So you look at what Spurs uh, Pop's able to get out of the players, and you know, you we know what you're going to get from CP3 every single night, but then you can get something where Josh Hart is a long-term solution at that point guard position, which would be interesting. Uh, you could always slide Dejounte Murray over to the two. I say Dejounte um, Murray's development this year has been something else, though. Like for a guy who only played in like 38 games, what we got to see out of him on at the end when he's under the spotlight, when he had the ball in his hands, like there's a lot of hope there. I mean, he has the but size, is he, but is he going to be he needs one, to build up the muscle mass? But is he going to be one where next year and maybe the next two years you're saying, man, DeJounte Murray, we can beat the Warriors with him. And that's no, no. I, no. You need someone there over him. And that's why I like Chris Paul would be like ideal case scenario, but you can go out and get a veteran guard to be your one and him on the bench or him at the two. If you know, Danny green has to get moved for something, but like, I think they have confidence there, but I think they still, this year, you, you go for a one or two guard, and next year is supposed to be one of the better the, big man drafts, so why not wait mm-hmm. it out one more year? But then the question goes to, and this kind of goes back to what we talked about with the Celtics, and this is the final thing that I want to bring up, um, and then you guys can toss in your last and final remarks. 
um, is, is that, again, looking at the Warriors, and we talked about this with the, the, the Celtics, looking at the Warriors and looking at the Cavs and the window that they have, do you want to wait for that window to close? Because we look at Kawhi, he's not that old. He's a, he's a guy that's you know nearing 27 years old. He's nearing his prime, or what we think of uh, of prime of 27 to 31. Mm-hmm. Really hasn't right. hit that mark Generic, yet. Yep. He's growing still. I mean, we see the offensive uptake in, in his game, still one of the best defensive players uh, in the world. You look at LaMarcus Aldridge's contract is going to come up as, as well. But then again, if you go out and get a guy that you think gives up develop in Josh Hart, DeJounte Murray, he can slide into your two guard. You have a guy, uh, you know, a duo in Hart. Um, and, and Murray in your backcourt, and then Kawhi Leonard's your focal point of that team. It's something that maybe you look at least past the Warriors, and you look when Steph's contract f- finally uh, you know comes up after this year, and they're going to have to pay him. You look at uh, when Draymond's contract finally comes up, and Tr- Durant's contract finally comes up, and how are they going to keep that team together? It's really got to look at that, and do you want to just wait until that's gone, and then you could just go and rise up the ranks of the Western Conference because you still believe in Pop, you still believe in Kawhi. Kawhi's still going to be the best player in the Western Conference for a while, or at least one of the best players in the Western Conference for the next maybe you know seven to five mm-hmm. years. I mean, he's going to be one of the top players there. You just want to wait past that no. window. And the reason why is who's my head coach? Popovich. You, you could see during the Western Conference Finals when he said the line of like, yeah, you know, they gave up out there. They just didn't believe in themselves. I looked at him and was like, he is dead inside. Like, that kill that killed him to say that and, like, be like, yeah, my team gave up out there. Mm-hmm. Because he's the kind of coach that he'll go out there. He doesn't give a crap if you're the Golden State Warriors. He's going to—and obviously you're going to say, well, Ricky, he's going to coach because he's going to coach every game to win it. But— you have a head coach that isn't going to let you sit there and go, yeah, let's just wait for Golden State to basically fall apart contract-wise. No, they're going to go out there. They're going to try to get their guy. And if CP3, if you believe he is a guy that next year can bring you over the Warriors, you go ahead and do it. Right. I think that's fair. The The thing I kind of look to is, you know, how do I want to build my team to where's my window versus theirs? The two best teams in the league right now are the ones with, you know, overwhelming superstar talent, and then fill in pieces on the bench. Not, you know, ideal bench players. Bench depth is what the Celtics had, and where did that get them? Yeah. You know, you get a bunch of goods, but not greats. You need great people in the NBA to take you to that next level, mm-hmm. and I think that they need to go all in on this Chris Paul move because that's what it takes to compete, and I think that, like, everyone knows that Pop wants to compete, Kawhi wants to compete, and if the moves are there to be made... They're going to pull the trigger on it. So the best-case scenario is obviously Paul declining his player option, and you're able to keep Kawhi Leonard, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Chris Paul and have that big three, right? Yep. And that, that's something that you just got to in fill a in depth. Per, in a perfect world, yes. And yeah. That's what we're saying. Perfect world, mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen. But, again, we know that that most likely will not happen because Paul Gasol is probably not going to turn down $6.2 million or whatever he's, he's owed. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Spurs. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the CP3. Um, I also don't think we touched enough on, on you know, whether uh, you know, San Antonio is better than Los Angeles, but mm-hmm. I think we all agree that yeah. San Antonio is better Suck than it. Los Angeles. The door or the um, window? I mean, it's the window, LA. The door, whatever, whatever LA had, it's the done. Basement, the basement cellar, everything's locked. The, um, one, the one last point I do want to throw out there, though, mm-hmm. about the Spurs and CP3 and why... Of course, this is the right move. Is Mono? He's even like even at the end of that last game, that game four, Bar you kind of got the the momenta that like, yep, this is probably the last one for him, and kind of just the last thing that I was thinking when Dave made the comment about the um, difference between a top end 
point guard and uh, one that can do service compared to the power forward. I just look at the teams, just the ones, the final four teams that we saw in this playoffs. You look at their point guards with Boston having an asterisk because theirs got injured in the final series. IT, Kyrie, but they've got LeBron there special, but they still got Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, and Tony Parker. All of them have... Point guards that I'm going, yep, that's my number one. Well, Tony Parker got injured, and also you don't know mm-hmm. how he's going to come back as an injury as a 35-year-old. So exactly. that's, that's the reason why we're asking And CP3 question. would be an upgrade. That's true. No one's doubting that. Mm-hmm. So that's a perfect way to end it. Tell us if you think CP3 is going to sign with the Spurs, if he's going to end up being a Spur. I think he'd look good in, in the black and silver out in San Antonio. But anyways, let's move on to the Los Angeles Lakers. Magic Johnson just recently came out and said, Brandon Ingram is only untouchable player on the Lakers roster. And the question we're going to be posing is, how do the Lakers build around Brandon Ingram? Because obviously they have a lot of pieces there, but what are the pieces that are going to stay? What are the pieces that you think are going to go? What are the pieces you think are they going to come? We talked about Paul George, Lonzo Ball, uh, possibly moving uh, D'Angelo Russell, where Jordan Clarks is going to go. Mm-hmm. So looking at all this, uh, Ricky, who do you think is going to be around when the Lakers finally or hopefully should be making the playoffs? And who do you think is going to be gone looking at this whole Laker team? The two observations I make from this statement are, number one, I think the first man out, per se, would be D'Angelo Russell. And the second thing that I think of is that unless Boston shocks us and says, no, nah, you know what, we want Lonzo Ball, that the Lakers are going to draft Lonzo Ball and make him the point guard mm-hmm. to Brandon Ingram. And I mean, I'm no shock that Brandon Ingram's the only untouchable on this team because really, what else do you have? You have really? nobody that nobody that I'd look at and go, man, this guy is... This guy is a real untouchable. Like the rest of them, I am in total agreement with Magic Johnson. Yeah, I want Brandon Ingram, the guy that we drafted last year. Whatever you guys want, make an offer. Show me how much you want him, and we'll make a deal. But, I mean, at that point, like, where where is your team going? I mean, how, Where are how, they going right now? This is a got, team that, You've I got mean, four guys under the age of, like, 26 who all have pretty good talent, who are all drafted fairly high in the first round for a reason. And maybe maybe they're still gonna get their uh, their time player. Well, I mean, there's three players that are. I mean, you look well, at Julius, Julius Randle, Lonzo Ball. If you, you draft him, uh, Brandon Ingram and Deandre Russell, those guys are all under 22. And then you look at Jordan Clarkson, they yeah. was a second rounder. So I mean, that's he's like the old man on true, that team. True. So um, looking at that, Dave, like who who do you think will be moving? Who do you think will be going um, when it's all said and done? And we see the Lakers finally in the playoffs after all this. Oh God, I mean that's 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 hard, man. That's gonna be a couple years away. Um, but Honestly, how did they get there is what we're I, saying. I don't know. I'm not a freaking magician. Uh, I'm going to pull out of my hat uh, my hatred for Julius Randle then. I'll just go back in my laurels. I'll rest in my laurels here and be like, get you, know the guy who doesn't fit? you know the guy who doesn't fit this team? It's Julius Randle. You know why? Because Paul George is going to be playing power forward for them. Makes sense. playing power forward for him. See, I, I agree with you there that Paul George is probably going to end up being a Laker, and I think you're going to end up having a, a I honestly roster think that, you can keep the rest of these guys, though. Well, besides Julius Randle is what yeah. you're saying. I, I think I think the two pieces that will be moved, if any, I think uh, Jordan Clarkson and then Julius Randle. I don't think D'Angelo yeah. Russell is going to end up being moved. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he did be if he was end up moved, but I, I look at the future L.A. Laker mm-hmm. lineup to be Lonzo Ball at, at the one, D'Angelo Russell at the two, Brandon Ingram at the three, then you look at Paul George as the four, and then five, you can either go with their their boy Zubac, 
uh, or if they do trade Julius Randle and are able to get something um, at least out of a pick, then you know maybe a future pick uh, and, and that whoever they draft at, at that pick because um, you you look at. Um, their future and, and the future draft picks, there is none in LA. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they pretty much all of them are gone. They don't have a first round pick um, after this year because uh, I think next year it goes to Philly and the year after that it goes to Orlando or something like that. So you, you really can't rebuild through the draft anymore. So Lonzo Ball is pretty much going to be your last draft pick if they end up taking Lonzo Ball. It's pretty much going to be your last draft pick that you can at least build on and then you're going to have to go well, at least to free agency or something like that. And that's yeah. another reason why I feel like this is there's two reasons why I feel. Magic Johnson said this. Number one, when you think about it, Magic Johnson's coming in, and to me, if I was coming in, I have no loyalty to any of the guys on the roster because, let's be honest, I didn't draft you. I didn't sign you. I didn't pick you. But the thing with Brandon Ingram you got to think of is who on this coaching staff in this organization did go ahead and pick him? Luke Walton was on here, and, of course, they're going to talk to Luke Walton because he's the one coaching the team, and they got to find players that'll fit his system. Mm -hmm. I think this is a move where the Lakers are basically saying, hey, you know what, Brandon Ingram's the only untouchable. If they can get some picks for that, then it's that's what I think this is. It's You look at it and it goes, we don't have our first next year because it goes to Philadelphia. We need to get some picks. Maybe if it's even just one, if we can move a Julius Randle, we can move either both him and Russell for a first. If we can get something to get a first-round pick next year because this Laker team, you're trying to rebuild it. And like you said, unless something weird happens of, A, they don't feel like they want to make the pick for Lonzo or if the Celtics go, hey, fuck it, we're going to go and pick Lonzo, they're most likely going to get Lonzo Ball. They will have Brandon Ingram. But next year it's like we don't get a first-round pick. We need one if we want to continue the build. Well, and Dave, looking at all this because yeah. it's it's kind of it's kind of weird because he just said, he said that they're untouchable. But should I mean should any of them be moved really? Because we, you brought it up. It's really you really think Julius Randle should be the only one be, being moved, but. Is it more of Magic saying this because you know you know D'Angelo Russell could be moved, but we're not looking into it? J- yeah, Jim I Cushion feel like be moved. I feel like it's a message to the other owners in the league. That the rest, yeah, we're we're open to offers. Go ahead and toss something out there. We'll see what we can do. I mean, the the biggest thing is like you mentioned Clarkson. Clarkson's on a great contract for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think that's a ton of value to another team and to the Lakers. So you have some guy who's easily one of the better six men mm-hmm. in the league. On a reasonable contract at 11 mil, 12 mil, 13 mil. And you can use that as leverage in, huge leverage. in talks. The, like, the hey, we're is, giving you someone that has a fucking good contract. Yeah, the, the, the biggest problem is you said free agency. Well, you know, dang and Mozgov, enough said. Like, mm-hmm. they got screwed over there, and uh, I don't know how they're going to recoup their losses with that. So, I, honestly, they might have to package some of the more talented guys with a contract eater just to get some value back so they can go out and do something in free agency. But I do love. I love the young core, and I really want to see them play out more because it's one of those things where you're pulling the ripcord on year three, but you haven't even seen you know everything kind of come to you're full still adding bloom. Yeah. Pieces, and that's the thing. Yeah. Like I, I liked what I saw out of Brandon Ingram's first year. I mean, yeah, he he's not the dominant scorer that people wrongly assumed he would be because of you know his size comparisons to someone like Kevin Durant. No, but he's a great. He, he has really good defensive skill. He's just got like a natural intuition for where to be as far as how to how to stop other people. But like 
I think you just have to let these young guys play out and play together. Going back to Brandon Ingram and and the way you saw him grow, what's what's the next step in his game? Is it adding size because we see the skinny, it's, it's bulking up. tiny yeah. dog of him? Yeah. God damn you. <laughs> just just for reference, Dave, we were in between recording. He's like, did you guys know that Brandon Ingram's nickname was Tiny Dog? That's so adorable. Um, it was pretty funny, just out of nowhere. But Thank you. How Thank does you Tiny Dog go into Big Dog? <laughs> TD? How does he, how does he challenge no, Roman Reigns I mean... in his yard? <laughs> Brandon Ingram wants to be the top dog. Uh, no, <laughs> big dog. I, it, big dog. It's, he's just pretty much got to got to go on that like in and out burger diet pretty much. I think all summer uh, hit the gym a ton. That combination right there should not. So the Chad Ochocinco diet of yeah. I'm gonna eat a double cheeseburger then run a forty. Yeah, I mean pretty much he just needs to work out a ton and he eat more. I mean that's I, I kind of weirdly didn't see him grow a ton throughout the year yeah. as far as his size wise. I mean basketball year. You're, you're traveling a lot, and it's it's a lot of cardio. So guys usually end up losing a lot of weight during the year yeah. from where they start off. So I he's got to get on that on Waiters diet. Yes, yes, he does. So like, I, I think he bulks up, and if he can get a more comfortable shot, because that he he had it in short spurts, but it never looked like he was really comfortable with his motion, and it changed three different times that I noticed from the start to the end of the that, year. That was the one thing I wanted to bring up because we saw this guy as a shooter, as a scorer, mm-hmm. and you look at his at least his three-point percentage, and you're like, yikes, um, at 29%. So yeah. um, is it something that maybe you know bringing in Alonzo Ball, bringing in a guy that can get you more open looks, getting a guy that can make you feel more comfortable, do you think that will help Brandon's pr- progression more? No, I mean, obviously, if you give anyone better looks, it's, it's like the LeBron James effect. I mean, same with the Warriors. Steph Curry, it's... Anytime you have more ball movement, you're going to find the open shooter. You're going to create better shots for them. So bringing in someone like Lonzo Ball, who, yeah, is going to pull a little bit of attention his way because I'm sure he'll come in the league as a rookie and draw plenty of attention on his own. But I mean, he could still go to the rim, Lonzo. He could, he's not a yeah. good shooter, but he's still a good Yeah, and uh, he athlete. can still drop it from three. So, yeah. I mean, he has the potential to make great passes. And you set up Brandon Ingram for better looks. I mean, the problem this year was they after they moved um, Lou, Lou they, they really didn't have an offensive identity, and I feel like they're going to get into the swing of things. I think that as a team, they're going to, again, try to spread that out, get more towards a three-point shooting line again, because that just kind of seems like the motion of the NBA now. So I think, we, I think we're going to see some tweaks as far as his game is concerned, but as far as the entire Lakers team is concerned... I, I just I almost don't want to touch it, but I think Randall is the odd man out, regardless. So then, Ricky, looking at this, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, Dave's talking about Randall. Um, how does Lonzo and then Brand like are, are Lonzo and Brandon Ingram the pieces then, and does D'Angelo Russell kind of get pushed to the side then? I that's in my mind, and it's because I'm not when we're looking at kind of going back to what you started the entire segment on is when you said when the Lakers get back to what we're assuming is what they want to, playoff runs, who's going to be there? I don't see D'Angelo Russell being a part of that. And the Mm. reason being is the one thing that you mentioned was you kind of thought out your starting five with PG-13 because he's going to come over in free agency. We're just waiting on it. And my starting five would actually be, I would go Lonzo at the one, PG-13 at the two, then Ingram, and then have either Randall or Nance at the four with Zubak at the five. I think that's what it becomes instead of having D'Angelo Russell and PG-13 at the four. Dave, thoughts on PG-13 at the two? I'm, I'm just going to say that, uh, Ricky, I disagree with you respectfully. 
as much as I can, respectfully. It, it would be weird seeing Paul George, who is that. I, I think Brandon Ingram is more of a fit there at the two, um, just because with his Either speed, or. with his length, or. Um, with his size, I think that, that might be a better, better Let's fit Let's put it there. this way. The five that I just laid out, that's your starting five. Put them wherever you want. So Randall, Zubak. PG-13, Ingram, and Randall Lonzo. or Nance, whichever one you like better, because well, I know that you two are divided on that. Yeah. No, well, Dave just doesn't like Randall. <laughs> and we both I know think, Nance is a great team. We player. both think Nance is not even, yeah, Nance He's a is a player. bench player. Yeah. He's a role player. Um, I, I think ultimately you look at this and uh, the way that this team's going to develop, I, it's going to be interesting to see who they take at 28 um, with that Rockets pick and, and, and where yeah. they go with that direction. Um, if they do go power forward, try to you know add some more depth there. Um, if they do go center, adding depth behind Zubak. Um, or if they, they do could go, go shooting. They could go shooting. I think yeah. that's that's fairly likely. I kind of like D'Lo moving over to the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think He's a scorer. He is, and it comes natural to him, and I feel like he tries to step up in this situation. He gets a little caught up with the game, but he's a young kid. Like He'll learn to pace himself. He feels like he's got a little rust into me. Like He's got a lot of rust to me. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know if it's D'Angelo Russell, like the, 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 in his actual name, but he's got a he's got a lot of uh, hero ball in him. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to pose this out to you. Yeah. What if the Lakers go, and right now I'm looking at um, Tankathon, and they've got um, Jonathan Genet, I hope I said the name right, um, from France going. Yeah, he's like seven feet tall or something. He's crazy lengthy. But the thing I look at, and this is all based on Tankathon's mock, Mm -hmm. the next shooting guard that they could take that would be available, a guy that you're really high on, a guy that you have given your Malcolm Brogdon award to. Josh Hart wouldn't fit with that team. Could they go in and say, you no. know what, we're gonna take the we're gonna take Lonzo early, mm-hmm. we're gonna take the shooting guard here, and then Julius Randle is the guy we're keeping. Delo's the one we're gonna I, move. The only reason I like that is because of uh Josh Hart's defensive ability, but I don't think he's enough of a scorer to hide Lonzo's flaw flaw scoring. And then you look at Brandon Ingram. Um, can he really develop into that score? I mean, we see the we see the spurts, we see the ability, we see his ability to attack the basket, but is he going to be able to step into that? I think you got to go some part of scoring, whether that's down lower or shooting from the Unless outside. Unless you're just waiting for PG-13 to sign, and boom, there's your scoring. But then again, you can't rely on one guy. So it's going to be interesting to see where this Lakers teams go, uh, where this Lakers team go. Team Lakers teams? Lakers team. Lakers, Lakers team. team. Yeah, Lakers team go. Well, Lakers team. I mean, the Lakers, Clippers are kind of like but, their team. But is it team. Lakers team go or Lakers team goes? Lakers, Lakers team. team goes. Anyways, yeah. um, we're not going to get into grammar here. Um, final thing that I have to ask you. I said last year, two to three years, Lakers will be in the playoffs. Dave, over, under, two to three years. I mean, I'll probably take three years. Yeah, I, I think three is spot on still with me. Ricky. Depends on Lonzo's development. I'm going to go with a push as well at three. All right. Fair enough. Um, I'm iffy on the two to three years, to be honest with you. Tell us you when think you it's think it's going to take longer. Yeah. When, tell us when you think the Lakers will end up making it to the uh, NBA playoffs. I think our camera just died, but oh well. Where's the end of the video? So tell us where you think the Lakers are going to end up uh, and wh- how long will it be until they make the playoffs. Also, don't forget to tell us who you think is going to win the NBA finals and how many games. And also, Go down and mention about CP3 going to the Spurs if you think it's going to happen. If you're listening on Block Talk Radio, thank you so much for giving us that download, helping us out over there. We really, really appreciate it. If you haven't checked out, go to blocktalkradio.com slash the fast break. Also, if you're listening on YouTube, we had one of our biggest months in May, and we got to give a huge shout-out to you guys. You guys are awesome. You guys rock. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. You guys are the best. We love doing this for you every single week. Thank you so much for listening. For Dave Oster, Ricky Wimmer, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.